0: Heavenly Father, we will remember today, we will remember your grace and your mercy that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. We will remember the day you saved us and you called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. We'll remember how you forgave us of our sins when we did not deserve your forgiveness. We will remember your continuing grace in our life today. We will remember the blessed Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us today. We will remember the power of God that is released in our lives through the Holy Spirit as a result of knowing Christ. We will remember our responsibility to go and share the gospel. We will remember, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and never forget your benefits. Help us to remember today what a sweet spirit and a day it is for us to be together We pray for many of our people who are traveling today. May they have traveling mercies and join us soon, and others who are sick and not able to be with us. And we thank you for those who have assembled and gathered here today. No accident that we're all here together on this day. So you have something for us from your Word. So we pray that we might settle our minds, settle our hearts, confess our sin, and be ready to receive with gentleness and humility the Word of God as it's implanted in our minds and in our lives. May we, may we be difference makers in the world because we know Jesus. And we thank you for this time we have together now in your word. Open our eyes to your word that we might see the wonders of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you. If you're a guest with us today, turn in your Bibles, your, your copy of God's word to First John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And again, if you're a guest, as, as Brother Todd mentioned, give us your card, give us information, call us, let us know. We'd love to minister to you and to help you in any way. If you're new to the community, may the Lord bless you. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Dixon, Dixon County, or the surrounding counties, wherever you may be. So we're continuing to think these days about this very important truth of blessed assurance. So here's the way I'll ask you again today. I'm asking you every week. I'm asking you not to take up some time in my talk. I'm asking you because this is a question you must answer for your personal life. Are you 100% sure? Are you 100% certain that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Oh, some people in the world say, well, of course, I'm assured I'm going to heaven because everybody goes to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. Only those Who know the Lord Jesus Christ who are born again will go to heaven Uh, you say well of course I'm going to heaven I do good things I'm a good person but don't be self deceived don't trick yourself what you do and your good works will never get you access to heaven you'll never enter into heaven if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so if knowing Jesus Christ and being born again Uh, brings us to heaven what are the marks what are the what are the ways we can know and have assurance that we are saved well that's what we're talking about these days you may not you may be a believer here today and your assurance is not very strong you look at your life and you look at the way you do things and you think oh i'm just i'm struggling and how can i be saved and be like this but you see uh, god doesn't expect us after we get saved to be perfect he is He is growing us into Christ's likeness. And so though we sin as Christians after we're saved, we grow in our grace and our knowledge of the Lord. And as we do that, we come to know God better. This is what we're going to talk about today. And as a result of knowing him better as a Christian, we gain assurance of our salvation. Assurance of salvation is not self-righteousness. Assurance of salvation is not pride and arrogance. Assurance of salvation is that wonderful, blessed comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. And he works in our mind to assure us, I am his and he is mine. So with that in mind, we read now 1 John chapter 2. We look today at the second evidence or the second test or way in which you and I can know whether or not we're assured of salvation or not. 1 John 2 Beginning in verse 29. This is our focus today. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Let me read it again. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of of him. Now go to verse number four of chapter three. Everyone who practices sin also practices in a lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Verse six, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Heavenly Father... Bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit now, may we settle in for a moment in the midst of the distractions of life, and may we hear your word, and may it do us well. May we be doers of the word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. So our focal truth today that I'm going to make my comments around, the thing I'll focus around is this principle, that assurance of salvation. How do I know that I am saved? Well, I know it when I know God, and I do what is right. Or maybe I could use this phrase, I'm saved, I'm assured that I'm saved when I know God and I am doing righteousness. I am doing righteousness. The word righteousness is the word that has to do with doing what is right, doing what is right. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. So you see here, dear friends, we have John in this section here, the apostle John chapter two, verse 29, and then picking up down there in verse Uh, number 4, through about verse 10, talking about this very important issue of how we know that we are saved. Last week, we talked about in chapter 2, earlier in the chapter, verse number 3, the first mark of assurance of salvation. 1 John 2, 3, by this we know. John's using that word know a lot. We'll talk just a moment about that. By this, we know that we have come to know him. How do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I know God? How do I know that I know him? If we keep his commandments. So here's the first thing. If you say you're a Christian here today, if you say you love Jesus, but you don't do what Jesus says, you don't love him. If you say you love Jesus, but you don't do what Jesus says, you don't live by his commands, you're not interested in obeying him. You're interested in following somebody else's rules or ones you've made up. You're not saved. whatever else you may be, you may be a religious person, you may be a nice person, you may have morals, but the reality is that this mark is so important. We start with obedience. If I say that he is Lord of my life, if Jesus is Lord, that means I obey what the Lord Jesus has said for me to do. But now we come to the second mark. Very similar, but a little bit different. This has to do not only with obedience, but the practices of your life. This has to do with what you do. In fact, that's the the Greek word is the word to do. It's, It's used in such a tense that it is this continuation of doing things that are righteous, rather than doing things that are sinful. It's a way of life, it's a lifestyle. And every person in this room, you have a lifestyle you have a you have a routine you have a schedule you have a way you live you have things that you do you have people you associate with you have those who you are influenced by the internet on the internet those who influence you at work or in your family you all all of us in this room including the man speaking to you we all have practices that is we do we live a certain lifestyle well the second assurance of salvation is that what I do in public matches what I do in private. The reality is that I'm the same person in Christ, whether I'm by myself and no one sees what I'm doing. They certainly can't see what you're thinking. And I'm the same in public in what I do. My actions demonstrate what's on the inside and they demonstrate that I am a believer in Christ. So there are three observations I give you from these verses today. Verse 29, I just want to elaborate on this verse. Number one, everyone who is born again knows God is righteous. It's the first phrase in verse 29. If you know that he is righteous. You see the born again know this and I'll speak about this in just a moment. Second is God's righteousness is given to those who are born again. He says, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Those who are born again practice righteousness. And finally, everyone who is born again practices righteousness. So the words are very important. These words help us to understand what it means to be saved. So we start with this interesting phrase John now introduces. And we'll begin to expand on this idea of what we know. In fact, look at the phrase in verse 29. This is the phrase that leads us to understand assurance of salvation. Let me me link it together. If you know, you know. You see that phrase? If you know, you know. If you know, you know. So we must start here. We must know, understand what it means to know. This This is a description of God's showing us supernaturally who he is and what he does. You see, when you were lost, you didn't care about God. You didn't think about God. You could care less about spiritual things. You didn't think about them. You didn't want to know about them, but now you're saved and you have a unquenchable desire to know more about God. In fact, let's look at how this is introduced to us. I'll say more about this in the weeks ahead. First John chapter two, verse 20, but you who are Christians have an anointing from the Holy One. Please look at the last phrase. And you all know, I'm speaking to knowing ones in this room today. I'm speaking to knowing ones. You're you're saved here today. You say, oh, Pastor Mike, I don't have a lot of knowledge. Oh, but you know. You see, the Holy Spirit of God has come to dwell inside of you as a result of being saved. And as a result of being born again and saved, all of a sudden, you gain a knowledge of right and wrong. You gain a knowledge of truth and error You gain a knowledge about understanding who the Lord Jesus is. You gain a knowledge about how God moves in your life and how you're to live with him. You all know. I'm speaking to other knowing ones here. As someone who's come to know Christ myself, I know. I know. When I first became a, a boy, when I first became a Christian as a boy at nine years old, I didn't know what I know now in Bible knowledge, but I knew God. I came to know God. I came to know, first of all, the love of God. And so did you. So did you. You first came to know that God loved you and forgave you. You first came to know that Jesus died for your sins. You came to know. And then he goes on and says about this knowing in verse number 27. 1 John 2, 27. As for you who are Christians here today, this anointing which you've received from him, the Holy Spirit, in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and not a lie, just as it is taught you, you abide in him. I abide in Christ and the Holy Spirit of God abides in me and he works and he's, ex- he's exposing me and showing me truth and error. This is what you need for life. It doesn't mean that teachers and preachers aren't important, but the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He takes the words of our teachers and our preachers and, he, and our own reading of God's word and he applies it to our life. You know today, You are a knowing one. You see, here's what you know. God is light and in him there is no darkness. Chapter one, verse five. God is love. God is love. Chapter four, verse eight. God is righteous. Chapter two, verse 29. This word righteous means faultless, guiltless, innocent. God is without Without sin, God has no dark side. God, does not, God always does what's right. God does not tempt to sin and God does not lie. The Lord Jesus said, there is no unrighteousness in God. But you see, this is far different than the world. The world says, well, if God is really a God of love, why would he allow so many horrible, terrible things to go on in the world? It's actually a good question, but the world dismisses God as if God is unrighteous. As if God is the source of sin, wickedness, godlessness, abuse, and the horrors of the world. It is a misunderstanding of the nature of who God is. To stand and raise your fist and say, God, it's your fault, is to misunderstand and not understand the righteousness of God. His holy righteousness, His eternal righteousness. And what does the Word of God teach us? The Word of God teaches us if you want to know God's righteousness, you can know it when you look to Jesus Christ. For in the Lord Jesus Christ is perfect righteousness. He obeyed the law of God perfectly. He walked with God in a perfect way. He is, He is, as Hebrews says of Him, the Son said, uh, of the Son, the Father says, your throne is a throne of righteousness. Your scepter, a scepter of righteousness, and you have loved righteousness, Jesus Christ. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. So you see, Jesus Christ reveals what real righteousness looks like. If you want to know what it means to be righteous on the inside and on the outside, you look to Jesus Christ. But there's a second quality here I want you to see. Notice the verse. Now we're back in 1 uh, uh, John 2:29. If you know that he is righteous. So I'm asking you today, do you know the righteousness of God? Do you know? Do you see? Do you understand? Oh, hard things come in our lives, don't they? We get bad news, don't we? We hear all kinds of things. The word comes to us about something or someone in the family. Some sad circumstance. Some sad situation. We get some report about health. We get some report about our job. All the trouble comes. But do you know in the midst of all of your trouble. Do you know that God is righteous? Do you know that God is righteous even to permit you to go through what you're having to go through? Here's what I love to say. If you know then you know. If you know, then you know. And that leads me to the second thing here. God's righteousness is given to those who are born again. You see, none of us are righteous by birth. None of us. None of us seek God. None of us understand who God is by nature, by birth, We might have a calm disposition. We might not be riled up. We might might be calm people. We might have all these things. But the reality is without Jesus Christ, I am not a righteous person. Without Jesus Christ, my righteousness is, as the old prophet said, like filthy rags of no value. My personal righteousness, what I try to do, will never get me to heaven. I cannot know God. I cannot seek him. So what do I do? Here's good news. When I come to know Jesus Christ, this one who comes to dwell in me, the Holy Spirit of God, brings to me an amazing thing. He brings me, listen, the righteousness of God. I experience the righteousness of God. Here's a way you can think about it. When you get saved, I've been saying this a long time in my life. I've been saying this a long time to people. When you get saved, God changes your want to. That's what he does. All of a sudden, I didn't want to, but when I got saved, I wanted to. I wanted to pray. I wanted to worship. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to raise my children, bring them up, rear my children to know God. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to know more. I had a desire. I wanted to do good things. I wanted to do good for others. No longer was I wanting to put myself in the center, as the center of things. I wanted others to go first. I wanted to glorify and honor God. I want to be like Jesus, rather than be like someone in the world. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you experience a change in your desires. You want to be righteous. You do not want to live in sinfulness anymore. You see, God's righteousness is revealed to us through the gospel. Here's the way Paul said it. I'll just read it for the sake of time. Romans 3, some of you note things. These are famous words, but how do we see the righteousness of God? How's the righteousness of God revealed? Well, Romans 3, 21, 22, Paul said, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been shown or revealed or manifested. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, God, the righteous... Here's something you know if you're saved. The righteous God who is holy and perfect, who cannot dwell in the presence of sin, who's been separated from our sinfulness, the God of perfect righteousness now has demonstrated righteousness through the gospel. When you believed in Jesus Christ, you experienced... The righteousness of God. Because one died so that you might live and his name was Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, as a result of that, guess what's happened? When you got saved, God implanted in you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is an absolute miracle. That's what I'm describing when I talk about this phrase. If you know, you know. The only way you know is because of what someone God has given to you. You know this before you did not know it. Now you know this is right for me to do. Now you know it's right for me to draw near to God. Now you know whatever happens in my life, God causes all things to work together for good. You know. So we begin now to see in First John, John the Apostle explores all of these things that we now know. If you know God then you truly know that you know God. This is what John is trying to help us see. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you obey Him. If you know God is righteous, you practice righteousness like God. This is a glorious truth for us. Now let's get to this bottom one. I want to spend a little time on this. This last observation. Because everyone who is born again practices the righteousness of God. There is a difference, as I said earlier, between 1 John 2.3 and 1 John 2.29. Obedience is important. You and I must sincerely desire to obey Jesus Christ. We won't do it perfectly. You see, under the law, it was either perfect obedience uh, or you were out. You were under judgment and condemnation. Now under gospel obedience, we seek to serve the Lord. We desire with all of our heart. We want to follow Jesus, but we stumble in sin. We fail. There are times when we just, we, we get ourselves in a place where temptation pulls us in. We're listening to the wrong people. We're paying attention to the old devil again. And our minds are tricking us and we're deceived and we fall into sin. It happens. But if we confess our sin, didn't we learn that in this book? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us who are believers of our sin. But that's not the habit of our life. We're overcomers. We overcome sin as a result of being saved. But it changes based on our practices. So look at this. I read from the New American Standard. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, I have a dear friend. He, uh, I, he went to medical school. He prepared himself for, for medical uh, training. But now, as it's as we say in our language, he is in the medi- He has a medical practice. That's his practice. That's what he does. His practice is medicine. He loves it, and he's good at it. Another of my friends. He he went to. Uh, he studied law, and he. He found his way into the legal profession, and now he practices law. Another of my friends loves to weld, and he can make anything with his hands. It's unbelievable what he can do. He's a welder, and he, he's uh, certified and trained as a welder, and he has a practice as a welder. Uh, others that I know who are carpenters, they have a carpentry practice. They practice these things. It's what they do. I'm asking you today, what do you do in your lifestyle? What do you do when you're not at the church house? What do you do when you're by yourself? What do you do in private? How do you practice life? How do you practice life? Well, this becomes very important for us here because this is the word that he's using. You know that everyone who is practicing, that is, here's a lifestyle. Those who practice a lifestyle of righteousness, like the righteous God, like Jesus Christ, are born of God. So let's get to it. Look at these verses we read in chapter 3. Look at what they say to us. When the Lord Jesus was talking about this in the Sermon on the Mount, you know what He said? In describing a Christian, He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What are you hungering and thirsting for today? What do you want more than anything else in your life? Do you want fame? Do you want accomplishment? Do you want riches? Do you want popularity and acceptance? What is it that you are pursuing today in your life? What is it that you hunger and thirst? You can't get it off your mind. You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. It drives what you do. It drives the friendships you have. It's, it drives you to, to behave as you behave. What are you hungering and thirsting for? You see, the saved, those who know Jesus Christ, no matter whether they're students, children, or adults, they hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, and they hunger and thirst to learn how to be righteous like Jesus. It is their desire. It is their heart's desire. It's what drives them. It's an internal passion that they have. And the only way, listen, the only people that know what I'm talking about are saved people. Lost people don't have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. They don't care about it. They don't care about God or spiritual things. You see, those who are born again, they live by the habits of God's. Righteousness. Look at verse 7, chapter 3. Little children, make sure you're not deceived. I'm speaking about this today because I pray you're not deceived. I pray you don't live your whole life and then die in self deception. Don't deceive yourself or be deceived by those who do not know the truth of God's Word. Hear what the Lord Jesus says, hear what the Word of God says. Don't be deceived. The one who practices a lifestyle of righteousness is righteous. This is the mark of righteousness. They are righteous just as he is righteous. Look at verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin. He's talking about a lifestyle. If you say today, look, I love Jesus. Of course, you know, I, I go out here and live pretty much like everybody else during the week. I cuss like everybody else. I drink like everybody else. I carouse like everybody else. Isn't that what everybody does? Oh, I love Jesus, but... I kind of have my own lifestyle. I blended it together. I like some of the things in the world. I mean, come on, you can be a little bit too narrow as a Christian. Uh, these some of this stuff that I hear, these, you know, I don't want to separate from all these things that I like some of these things in the world. They're comfortable to me. Well, you see, what John says is if you have a lifestyle. If you have a lifestyle of sin, you're in sin. You're not saved. Those who are saved do not practice a lifestyle of sinfulness. They practice a lifestyle of righteousness. No one who is born of God, verse 9, sins. He's talking about a practice of sin because God abides in him and he cannot sin. Look, those of you who are saved, when you have fallen into sin, you remember what it feels like? You feel dirty. You feel shame. You feel guilt. Even if no one has seen what you've done and you've done it very privately, you feel, don't you? You have feelings and emotions that make you sad. You have a godly sorrow because you say, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have behaved like that. You see, you're a saved person because God by the Holy Spirit abides in you. You're convicted of your sin. And you don't practice a lifestyle of godlessness and sinfulness. You practice a lifestyle of righteousness, though you may sin. And verse 10 of chapter 3 makes it very clear. Here's the way you can tell the difference between people who are saved and lost. By this, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Notice. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. You may say I love to go to church. I love all the things about it, but your private life is still filled with sinfulness and you still live the way you used to live before you were saved, before you claimed you were saved. There's no change in the way you live outside of this place. You haven't made any changes. Your want tos are the same as they were. You've added a little religion on the top, like icing on the cake, but there's no real depth in your heart. There's no desire to follow Jesus. You see, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God and nor is anyone who does not love his brother. I'm going to say this about loving your brother and loving your brother and sister in Christ a lot, but I want to say it again today. I've mentioned it before. You You know why the Lord Jesus said to us, this is my commandment that you love one another. Listen. Because loving other people Kills sin in your life. When you have to love somebody. It'll kill the sin in your life. You got to swallow your pride. You've got to step back and say. Someone else is better than me. I'm going to love them. I'm going to endure them. I'm going to. I'm not going to be provoked by them. I'm going to love them. When you love somebody else. When you love others. It kills the sin in your life. That's why loving others is so critical. And if we say we are Christians, but we demonstrate no love, that's, I didn't say permissiveness. Sometimes people hear this and they think, well, if you love somebody, you just let them do whatever. Is that, is that demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ? We, are speak, we speak the love in grace and truth. We speak the love in truth and honesty and love, but we love other people. This is a demonstration that we are saved and those who are born again, they demonstrate the habits of God's. They, they demonstrate the habits of God's righteousness. But along with this, they demonstrate the habits of Jesus. Now, uh, you know, the little bit of ball playing I did in my life. So, you know, when I was a baseball player as a boy, my dad, you know, this is a long time ago. I'm, 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 I'm scared to even give the illustration of who we talked about because it'll show my age. But you already know that anyway. So he he would get out of the newspaper a picture of Whitey Ford. And there he would show me that. Now look at the way, look at the way I was a pitcher. Look at the way... Whitey Ford takes that ball. Look at the way he sets himself on the mound. Look at the way he sets himself up. And of course, in those days with a black and white television, I know I'm shocking some of you, that was all we had and, and it was hard to see it on that antenna, we'd watch that ball game with Whitey Ford when we got a chance and I could watch him pitch the ball. You see, you you if you're an athlete, you find those who are good and you practice and you learn from their patterns. Are you following Jesus? Are you practicing a lifestyle like Jesus? Our church says that our mission is to follow Jesus, love one another like Jesus, and tell the world about Jesus. That means that all of us, and I'm including myself, that means that all of us who are part of First Baptist Church, we declare unashamedly, we practice the practices of Jesus. We pray, we worship, we seek God, we read the Word of God, we do good for others. We do good for others. What did Peter say to those Gentiles? The Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard about Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and he went about doing good. We go about doing good. We do it in the name of Jesus. We speak to others in the name of Jesus. We have a tear in our eye pleading them to follow the the Lord Jesus. We care about those who are broken. We reach out to those who are hungry, those who are in need. We go to the mission field. We go around the world. We stay here. We go to our job. We do it at home. We practice what Jesus Christ practiced. When the Lord was giving the Sermon on the Mount and those those characteristics of following Jesus. You know what he said in Matthew 6? He said, don't show your righteousness to other people. But when you pray, when you pray, you see, this is a this is an act of righteousness. Nobody knows whether you pray privately. Only you know whether you pray privately. But if you're a follower of Jesus, the Lord Jesus spent his life in private prayer, closing the door, going in secret and praying. He says, when you give... When you give, you see, giving is like Jesus. He gave of him himself, he gave of all he had. We give. We give of ourselves, and we give of what we have. We're like Jesus. When you fast, oh, fasting. Fasting is greatly neglected by the American church. But to fast is to say to God, I must come away from all these other things that feed my flesh and I must give time carefully to hear what you have to say to me and to discern your will For my life. And to demonstrate that I am willing to sacrifice whatever it is to do what you call me to do. The Lord illustrated righteousness. Does your private life match your public profession? If you say you are saved, do you live in private like you're saved? I can tell you this. If you're married, your husband or wife knows whether or not you're saved. If you have children, your children know whether or not you're saved. Your grandchildren know whether or not you're saved. Your employees and your your employer knows whether or not you're saved, Because it shows the Lord Jesus went about doing good. Peter said this, and I'm finishing with this. Peter said this, and it's important for us to hear. It's in 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11. I'll just read it to you. The one who desires life. Do you desire life today? The one who desires life and to love and see good days. Do you want to see good days? Of course you do. Of course, you want to love life and you want to see good days. Then you must keep your tongue from evil. You must keep your lips from speaking deceit. And you must turn away from evil. Not just in the public, but in your private life. You must turn away from evil and do good. You do good to others and we seek peace and we pursue it. We do to others as we want them to do to us, as we wish them to do to us. We don't do to them as they've done to us. We do to them as we would wish them to do to us. If someone's spoken unkindly to us, we don't turn around and like kindness, speak unkindly to them. If someone has taken away from us or been abusive to us, we turn back and say, I'm going to do good to this person. If they need something, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to help them. I'm not looking for anything in return. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus because I seek to love and serve Him. In chapter 4, verse 7, John said, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And if we know the love of God, he says in chapter 3, who laid down His life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Is there anything is there anything you wouldn't do as a Christian for your Christian brother or sister? That's what John's saying here in chapter 3. He's saying we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Are you willing to lay your life down for your for the brothers and sisters in Christ whom you know? You see, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how can the love of God abide in him? So, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. If we know that he is righteous, you know. If we know, you know. That everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. So as we finish, what do we remember today? Well, God's righteousness in Christ gives gospel assurance. If you know, you know. This is the, this is the development. We'll see each week. If you know, you know. And as a result of knowing, you know. You have assurance. This is how the Holy Spirit assures us that we are saved. I'm obeying God and I'm practicing living righteously like Jesus. Number two, when I trust in Jesus, it produces living like Jesus. It changes my want to. I don't have to be forced to. I want to. No one has to say, hurry up, Mike, get your Bible out. You need to read your Bible today. Well, I want to read the Word of God. You need to get up there to the church house. Where in the world? What have you been doing? I want to go and worship with God's people. I want to draw near to God in private. I want to to figure out my schedule so that I have personal time with God. However it works in my busy life. I'm going to pray. I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to do good to people who don't even care if I'm alive or want anything from me. I'm going to do good to all who come across my path. And I'm going to let others see Jesus in me. Let others see Jesus in you. Here's the old song. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Wait, who do they see in you? Who do they see in you? Let others see Jesus in you. That's why we put it on the sign. Yes, some days I fail to be Jesus to somebody. I do. I'm ashamed of it. I confess it. But it is, our com- it is our commitment as a church. We drive out of here and there's those signs. You can't. We're not going to cover them up. We're going to. There they are. Be Jesus to someone today. This is our goal. This is our ambition. Because if you know that he is righteous. You know. That everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near unto the door, and we pray, come Lord Jesus.